I'm green. So, all right. Well, I'm going to do a little bit of business here real quick. Rebecca's doing a little business over there, I see, too. Yeah. So, I just want to encourage you. How many of you love to pray for people? No, really. Raise your hand. This is not a trick. Kind of. If you have your hand up, no, keep it up. How many of you believe you have something to give? Actually, that's the rest of you. All of us have something to give. But really, if it's a passion in your heart to pray for people, um, we we are wanting to increase the release of what God is doing at the end of services. And we're wanting to increase the amount of people we have praying. Because nothing worse than like we have like amazing time with God and like two people walk up to help on the altar team. And so uh, I'm going to ask again, if, if, if you love to pray for people, have your hand up. This is not a trick. I'm actually asking you right now to volunteer. If your hand is up, I'm asking you to volunteer. Cause, because sometimes we think, oh, they don't need me. Or, no, not only do we need you, we want you to be a part of this. Because it's an engagement to actually believe that the Spirit of God in me actually is ready to come pouring out. And so I just, we're going to, you want to jump up and do that part? All right. I can't hand you this one. Can we hand her the other one? Switching to handheld too. There we go. There it is. All right. One has an issue. Uh, All right. That took longer than it should have. Um, All right. We've got just the sign-up sheet here. So what we want to do is um, we'll get your information, and then someone will be emailing. Uh, We want to do – we'll do a short training on how to pray for people, what that looks like. Most of you, if you've been through the healing rooms training, you, you won't have to do this. In fact, um, it's, it's very similar, but, and it will be much shorter. So remember that, what was it, two weeks ago that Tim preached about impartation? And we're really pushing into that. We really believe that the Lord wants us to know and believe that we have something to give, that the inside of us, he is there, right? And we can pour him out on all those that we pray for. And um, we want to physically lay hands on people. So uh, if that's for you, I'm going to start the sign-up sheet. I don't know. We only have one, I think. We can do it. Uh, And this one will be for Saturday night. So if you want to do both, you can indicate that, but this one is, is specifically for Saturday night. Uh, how many want to deal with some lies real quick? Yeah? How many of you have struggled with the lie that you don't have anything to give? If you have your hand up, now stand up. Kimmy, I saw your hand. Sorry. It, it's important. Because I'm calling you out because you're, you, you have way more treasure in you than you think. And, and, and we just have to, we have to, as a body, first of all, encourage one another. The treasure in you could change someone else's life. And actually, interesting enough, your flavor is totally different than my flavor. So they may not like my flavor, but they may love yours. And if we don't recognize that, if we just think, oh, well, you know, Bill will do it, or Timothy will do it, or someone. They may not be drawn to them. They may be drawn to you. 
And you have to recognize that, that, and you're like, well, God can do anything. Yeah, and He's trying to use you. So right now, if, if, if I just want to, I want to break the lie off of you that you don't have anything to give. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Those are truths. And truth sets us free. Truth doesn't empower our knowledge. Truth sets us free. So if you're standing out, I just want you to put your hands up right now. Out. Up. However you want to do it. Now I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to come and tell you you're more than enough. You're more than enough. You're more than enough. Alright, in 30 seconds, I, I, right, right now I'm giving you 30 seconds to do this. I want a few people to go surround and I want you to affirm them as that they're more than enough. I'm going to just hold out the words of life now. Shining stars. Alright. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the breaker of lies and you are truth. So we just welcome you into the room right now, Jesus. Amen, amen. I love it that we all love each other. I think it's funny though, like, we have to like herd you back. Alright. Y'all ready? I'm glad y'all are. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm excited. I, uh, I worked on something all week, and then I worked on something different this afternoon. And so, um, I, I just started asking the question, what do we do after reset, right? A prophetic people don't just clap the prophetic word, they actually respond to it. The most dangerous thing as a people we can do is, I hit the reset button and then never actually sow into the Word of the Lord. See, last week Ron Till was here and he was sharing about God calling us to press reset. Why? What? It's a, there's a lot of, it's a million different ways to say it's a new season. It's a new season. You know, control alt delete the old season. Like it's a new season, right? I remember when I realized that, that was like the greatest thing ever when I had Windows because I was like, man, I don't know what's going on. Control, alt, delete. And people are like, you're wiping out stuff. I'm like, yep, but I'm moving forward at least. You know, and, and I, I feel like that sometimes as Christians we're like, yeah, I pressed the reset button and God's saying, yeah, now what are you going to do? Where are we at? Where are we journeying together? What are we doing in this? And so I feel like the Lord just began to talk to me a little bit about like this whole place of like press, pressing the reset button is actually then there's the next step in that is preparing to walk in the fullness of the new season. Preparing to walk in the fullness of the new season. See, it's no, it's no good to know there's a new season if you're not preparing to walk in it. That's why in Isaiah, it says this in Isaiah 42, it says, do you not perceive that I'm doing a new thing? What's he saying? He's saying, hey, I'm showing you what I'm about to do so you can prepare for it. I'm showing you what I want to do in your life so that you begin to get with me and we begin to cultivate something that all the seeds that I'm about to throw in you produce a hundredfold fruit. See, we have, I want to encourage you that your, your, your fruit is to be a hundredfold in every season of your life. 
And, and if we look back in seasons of our lives, man, I, I, it's easy to say, well, we failed in that season, right? Let's just get real. Everybody just nod your head on that one. Yes. But the truth is, from those seasons, God is trying to teach us how to prepare for the new season. And from those things, instead of beating ourselves up and talking about failure, talking about disappointment, we actually fell forward into a place of new understanding and the next time I'm ready. The next time, like I remember when we started praying for people, you know, to receive healing and, and I'd be like, man, God, why aren't they getting healed? Is that I need you to love more. So next time I'm like, love more, love more, love more, not just power, love, love, love. And I go up, and all of a sudden I'm feeling this thing for people that I forget that I'm praying for them to be healed of something, I'm just loving them. And guess what started happening? They started getting healed, right? Right, because God was trying to prepare something in me and He had to take away the wrong understanding to give me the right understanding of the new season. And I, and I just feel like there's a preparation going on for the new season. Now, I, I feel like there's a new season for the church, and I felt like the Lord told me I'm not allowed to talk about that yet till the first of the year. But I actually believe I'm supposed to talk for the rest of the year on preparation of how to be ready for the new season. And what does that mean for you? And what does that look like? Well, here's the phrase I heard today, and I think this is going to be more than just a one-time, because when I dove into it, I actually, it was kind of like you, you think you're going into a closet and you walk into a palace. So I felt like when I opened the door, it was like there was treasure everywhere this afternoon. So I'm going to do my best to pick out a couple pieces of treasure here today and then I'm super excited where we're headed for a bunch more of this too. So, but I heard this phrase digging into the new season. Now, there's a, there's a word there I just want to focus on for just a second because it's the difference between performance and knowing that you already have what God has given you. And it's the difference in digging into the new season instead of digging for the new season. If we're not careful, we, we, we change those two words around and we start digging for something, thinking that, man, I gotta break out of where I'm at, so I gotta dig for it. And when God is saying, no, I have declared it, so dig into it. I have declared what I'm doing in your life. I have declared your season. I have declared your healing. I have declared my passion for you. I have declared what I'm gonna do with your children. I've declared those things. So don't dig for it, dig into it. Because sometimes I think that we actually think that we're earning something when God said, no, I'm already creating it. I just need you to come into alignment with it. Amen? Be quiet. But what I want to encourage you is dig into the new season. Dig into it. Now, there's someone in here right now that when I first met them, their email was Digger. Bill Noss. Why? Because this guy loved to dig, man. Anytime he mentioned a shovel, he's like, get out of my way. Here I come. Why? Because he had a grace to dig holes. And I, I, I watched him dig a hole one time. I was like, man, I couldn't do that if I had to. Mainly because I couldn't fit in the hole. But I, I began to realize there's a grace on knowing how to dig. If you've ever watched someone, like another expert digger, he's not in here right now, is Keith Taylor. I took him one time to build a duck blind, and in 10 minutes he had done something we had planned hours on. And I'm like, dude, you know how to dig. And he brought his own shovel. He's like, I got a special shovel. I'm like, they're special shovels? 
You know, and, and I begin to recognize that what you don't know will hinder you from digging correctly. And, and so I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about digging. And, and, and so I immediately thought of the, the place in Mark 2, right? Where, and this isn't where we're landing, this is just our launching point. Is it says that there's a man who was paralytic and his friends decided it's his day to get healed with Jesus. We have to recognize that they just were sitting there one day and the Spirit of God came across them and said, you know what? Jesus is going to change his life today. And they get there and what happens? It's full. And instead of handicapped spaces and double doors, they didn't have any of that. They just climb up on the roof, tear into it, and the word is they dug through the roof in the Greek. They dug in there and they removed with it and they lowered him down in front of Jesus. And we know we not only get a healing, but we get a revelation of the forgiveness of sin. And in that, I was inspired by the idea that in the Greek right there, when it means to dig through the roof, it actually means not just to, to throw things out of the way, but it means to remove or break up what's hard. And I believe that if we're not careful, there are areas in our lives as we journey that the enemy is constantly trying to make dryness. How many of you, a few months ago, remember, have you any tried to dig when it, we were in drought? It was so rock hard, right? I'm like, how can this ground turn to concrete? I'm only needing six inches here. But it was so hard, and the Greek word actually means that there's a place where they, they broke up what was hard. Why? I, I believe it's a picture. It's a prophetic picture. They were saying nothing is hindering us from getting to Jesus. And we're breaking it up. And then I begin to think about all the scriptures that talk about break up your hard ground, right? Here, let me read you one. I had it marked with my pen, then I took it out. Hosea 10. One of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament. 10-12. Sow for yourself righteousness... Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unproud ground for it's time to seek the Lord. Until He comes and showers righteousness on you. See, the season was a shower of righteousness. But the preparation was to break up the hard ground. Now we can get all weird and religious right here and be like, Oh God, we're so hard and broken. Or we can go on a journey with God. And He can begin to show us what the enemy has been sowing into our lives. Because if I read the Scripture right, there's two people sowing into our hearts right now. There's God and the devil. And, and what we're allowing to ha- take root in our lives is God is saying, now I want to come in there and I want to begin to remove all that and I want to get you ready for my seed. I want to get you ready for my Word. Because the seed of God and the Word of God are the same thing. And we have to recognize that. And so in this verse it's saying, hey, I'm going to shower down righteousness on you. I'm going to, but your, your responsibility in this, your partnership is to break up the hard ground. Above all else, guard your heart, right? Because out of it flow all the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23. He's saying, hey, your heart is pliable and you've got to dig into it. You've got to be getting ready for what I'm doing. Okay, so, well, I want to get to where we're going here. I could spend a whole lot more time on that. But I want to just talk to you about the results of digging into the new. Because I I feel like God really has something so clear to say to us. Because the interesting thing is, if when we look at these, you're going to find that that God is very into our peace. 
He's very into giving you energy to, to be a child of God and actually carry out your purpose with Him. And a lot of times when we talk about purpose, I think we talk about the things we're doing instead of what we're becoming. I'm going to say it again. A lot of times when we talk about purpose, including me, and for many years when I thought about purpose, I was talking about what I was doing instead of what I was becoming. And, and, and people that only talk about what they're doing, they're missing the mark on who they, who they're becoming. And God is wanting us to be a people who recognize what I'm becoming and what I'm sowing into is, is my part of pursuing the destiny. That's why it says God will, He will complete the purpose for you. Why? Because He wants you to be everything you're called to be. And so we begin to recognize that. So just turn with me. We're going to start We're going to start in the New Testament, actually. Luke 6. This is a verse we all know. But when I was thinking about digging, it's the first one that popped into my heart. What is the result of digging into the new? I I wrote this down, that it renews the revelation of our foundation when we start to dig. Luke 6 I'll read from 46, 47, 48. It says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like the man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the floods came and the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. I, I, I just begin to think about this, begin to think about the idea of a new season and what's happening and, and, and when God is calling us to dig. And one of the things that begins to happen is as it's time to dig, you always have to dig down to find the foundation again of who you are. Who is in your life? The foundation of Jesus in your life. The foundation. See, a lot of times we get things so out of order and we're like, yes, this is all for Jesus, but we forget that He's actually the foundation of everything we're doing. Everything we're becoming is to become like Him. That's the call. Every one of us have the same purpose. It's to be like Him. And so we begin to recognize that and we have to see that the first place we have to dig into is the greatness of Jesus. Every season comes with a fresh revelation of the greatness of Jesus. Why? Because it's got to be the foundation of that season. It's not enough to be like, I remember when I fell in love with the Lord 40 years ago. I remember when I fell in love with the Lord 40 years ago. I also remember when I fell in love with Him yesterday. Last weekend, when he came blowing in here. What, what am I saying? I'm not just putting, it's a new season, and every time it should be stirring a new love and passion, but most of all a revelation that Jesus is great. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. I remember when we used to sing that song when I was a kid, and I used to think, man, God, I pray that one day that's the truth in my life. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you and loving you. See, every season of our life has to be built on that revelation. That's why they had to dig down. They had to find the rock. We we know that, you know, in, in Peter, it's so interesting that it talks about how that Jesus is the foundation stone, right? The cornerstone that the, the wise builder builds on. You know that, that can you pop up 
First Peter 2, 7 for me. It says, but the next verse says this, now to you who believe, this stone is precious. That just blew my mind today that Whoa! When we begin to recognize the greatness of Jesus in our life, there's a new revelation of His preciousness to us. It's actually the same word that's used when it says that they found the pearl of great price and it was precious and they took it and sold everything for that pearl. See, there will be in this new seasons when you begin to dig down to Jesus, you'll be willing to give everything again. I'm willing to give everything again. I'll sell the field. I'll sell whatever it takes to have Jesus in that place in my life. And it sounds so elementary, but I want to tell you, it is the foundation of the kingdom. People talk about the kingdom all the time, and and I think one of the biggest missteps in that is that they forget to talk that there's a king in the kingdom, and his name is Jesus. And when you when you're in love and in awe of the greatness of Jesus, it allows the kingdom to come flowing out of you and into you even more and more. And we have to recognize in this season what God's about to do in 2020 in our lives, in our in our in our city. He's saying, I want you to sow into it now by digging down into me and seeing the greatness of who I am. Now here's the interesting thing. Your circumstances may be declaring the exact opposite. I just want to tell you there are winds and waves. That's it. That's just storms. And the crazy thing is, a lot of people quit building when it gets wet, but in the Bible it says dig harder. Dig deeper. Find another revelation of Jesus. Get in there and let Him be precious to you. I'm telling you, that word struck me today when I read it. It's like He's got to be precious to us. When I talk about Jesus, is there something in my heart that begins to recognize, man, you are everything to me. You know, there's always an opposite of, of what we're supposed to be doing that could be offered. Is that not true? And the opposite is actually found in Jeremiah 2.13. I just want to read it to you real quick. Because I believe we're always digging somewhere. It just depends on where we're digging, right? And Jeremiah 2.13 says this. It says, My people have committed two sins. That's a good start, right? They have forsaken me, the living water. So, so this is the point I'm making. They, they've forgotten about Jesus later on says, I am the living water. They've forsaken me. They've forgotten how precious I am. They've forgotten that I'm the foundation of everything. Who's he talking to here? He's talking about the Israelites and he's saying, hey, they've gotten all into their own kingdom and their own things and their own kings and even their own prophets and even their own religion, but they've forgotten that I'm the living water. And then what's it say? And they've dug their own cisterns. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And I just want to say to you that this place of digging is not to be digging for something of our own benefit or reaping of. I believe that we live in a really interesting season of the church where there's a lot of people digging their own cisterns. Of self-promotion, of anointing, of things. And it looks really good, but I want to tell you a lot of them have forgotten the living water. They're coming to church, they're, they're doing things, but they're really digging as they're saying, I'm digging for significance. I'm, I'm digging for people to tell me how good I am. I'm digging, and those are broken cisterns. 
Well, it got real in here real quick, didn't it? Why? Because I get to see a larger snapshot of the church sometimes and, and I'm like, God, I just, I, I want you to be what I'm digging for. As a church, we're digging for Him. And yeah, we want more people to experience His love and His goodness, but I'm telling you, He will always be the most precious thing here. And we're not going to dig broken cisterns that won't hold water. It's really interesting that I, I wrote this down and said they can't hold life. So if you've been digging in things and you're like, man, I just don't feel like I'm carrying any life, I want to encourage you dig somewhere else. Dig into another place. Get the Holy Spirit. He's like a divining rod right towards Jesus. He'll show you where Jesus is in this season. And he's saying, dig here. Go deeper. Number two. What were the results of digging into the new? I believe that digging into the new allows us to remove hindrances and reclaim land that's ours. And and I'm going to go somewhere that you've all heard, but I'm telling you, I've never heard what I'm about to share anyone preach on. And I was super excited about this today when I got into it. This is the story of Isaac, right? Redigging the wells of Abraham. And, and we've all heard the story. You know, all of you are probably thinking Rehoboth room, right? And yeah. But... The hindrances actually were the Philistines. And, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I always just think, man, how come they never just killed all those guys? But the interesting word, now I'm about to say a few things that I'm going to put in context, because if it was, if it came out of here out of context, it would sound very political. What I'm about to say, okay? So it's not political. Everybody nod your head. What Tim is about to say is not political. But the actual Hebrew definition of Philistines actually means immigrants. What does that mean? The reason they could never wipe them out, it was always people coming across their land. It wasn't the same people. It was anybody showing up on their land. So they would win and then there would be a new group of Philistines. What does that mean? Immigrants coming to take their land. Why they even can't find full proof of where all the Philistine things were and everything because it was immigration. Now again, I, I want to say this. I am not being political here. The Scripture is very clear about how we're to treat immigrants and how we're to love them and leave the corners of the fields and all those things, okay? But in this context, what he's saying is the Philistines were people who were coming and squatting on the promise of God in their lives. It was people that were coming and filling up the wells of Abraham, the places of life that God had dug in generations before. And he was pushing, they were pushing dirt in. Why? Because they were against the promise of God that this land was Israel's. And I want to tell you, there are things and hindrances in your lives that come along and migrate into your life and begin to try to push Dirt into your wells, places of breakthrough in your life, places that are refreshing to you, places that are good. And all of a sudden you're like, why do I feel so dry? Because there's migration that's happening into your life. Where things are coming in and you're like, where did that, where did that thought come from? You better take it captive because it might try to set up camp in you. I remember one of the greatest truths I ever had is that not every thought in my head was mine. When I heard that, I was like, oh, there's so much freedom in that. 
Because then I began to realize the enemy's trying to squat on my land, and I was just thinking I was crazy. That I was double-minded. And then he would quote verses to me from James that I was double-minded after he had put a lie in my head. How do you know the enemy knows how to quote Scripture? He just never uses it in context. He always twists it. Every time he quoted it to Jesus, he quoted it wrong. But we have to recognize that and see that, oh man, there's things trying to migrate in my land and push. How many of you have had a beautiful breakthrough that you can think of right now with the Lord? Are you still drinking from it? If you're not, something has migrated on your land and pushed dirt into that well. And if you start digging, one of the first things you're going to find is you begin to remove hindrances and you begin to redig old wells. Wells of breakthrough, wells of life. Man, I, I was sitting in our room today and I thought of a song that I probably have not heard since 1981. And the minute the melody came out of my mouth, I remembered an encounter with Jesus. And I know it was the Lord showing me, hey, dig right there. So I said, Elizabeth, do you remember a song? She goes, ah. I mean, she's like a bank. She's like, yeah, it's this. She played it. I was like, yeah, that's it. I knew like one phrase of it. And and she said, why are you thinking about that? I said, I think God's trying to show me an encounter. So I just started getting in there. And I didn't sing the song. I didn't have to feel like I was five years old again. All I said is, God, whatever you did right there, I dig into it. Because I'm digging into a new season. And the first thing that happens to happen in a new season is you have to recognize where the enemy is trying to make you dry. You have to recognize where the enemy is trying to push flesh and dirt and all those things into your wells. And how does he do it? Just with migration of thoughts and lies. Half-truths. Now everybody heard me say that I wasn't being political there, right? Okay, thank you. I just want to say this, that the Philistines had no legal right or claim to that land. None. Yet they were still quarreling for it. They were still declaring it was theirs. And you have to recognize just because you are not feeling breakthrough doesn't mean it's not yours in authority. I mean, Isaac could have just said, well, I guess these guys took our wells. Guess that we're not going to have a well here anymore. What's crazy is if you start looking, some of those wells are the wells of promise. The wells that God has just said, man, I mean, they're the wells that are being written around in the Scriptures previous to this. And He's saying, I am showing you that I want to do it again. I want you to drink from that living water again. So what do you have the right to do? You have the right to tell Him, get off your land. You have the authority to say, get off my land. And we need to be quit being so weak about it and be like, the enemy's attacking me. People always tell me the enemy's attacking me. I'm like, you attack the enemy. Attack back. Like, well, I'm feeling tired. That's a lie. I'm feeling overwhelmed. No, the Spirit of God on the inside of you will rise up. Partner with Him. See, if we, if we don't reclaim the land, let me read the verse. I never even read it. I'm going to start in Genesis 26, 16. It says, Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. I only read that because I like that God's people were being called powerful. So Isaac moved away from there and he camped in the valley of Ger. 
I listened to a million ways to say it. They said it like 80 different ways. And settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died and gave them... But this is what, this is what Isaac did. And he gave them the same name his father had given them. What am I saying? Recognizing and knowing what that place was in your life and what it was meant to be and do. He didn't say, I'm going to give them new names. He said, no, this is the name of what happened here. Why? Because when they dug them, they dug them saying what had gone on. So if it was a place of joy, they would say joyful. Why is that so important? Because you have to recognize when you're reclaiming land, then you get to the whole inheritance of what God has said it is. I thought that was a lot better than that, but that's okay. Why is it so important? Because God names matter to God. And He didn't name them different names. He didn't try to have... Some place was like, well, I'm rejecting what they were and now I'm renaming them this. He said, no, I'm going to value what God has done in my life. See, we have to value our history with God. I love it, man, when we get into something and, it, and it, I'm going to use a word I don't often like to use here, but it's familiar because I've been there with the Lord before. And all of a sudden I realize I'm in history. I'm in history with God right now. The minute that something passes through me, I'm like, oh God, you're so good. Why? Because I know I'm in the history. It's the same name as where I've been before. And I feel like God is wanting us to be a people that, that aren't always just digging for the new. We're also redigging, so we are constantly drinking of every well that was intended in our lives. Okay, next one. This one's big. What happens as a result of digging into our life? Room for the new. Room for the new. Through endurance. We always talk about Rehoboth, but we rarely mention Esek and Sitna. They're the first two wells that he dug. Let's just read. It says, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Esak because they disputed with him. The word Esak means disputed. But really what I want to show you, because I've heard people talk about disputed. The next one is going to be, you know, it means opposition. I've heard people talk about those. But I, I felt like the Lord just told me, I want you to look at the root words of what Esak means. And do you know that the Esak in the Hebrew, the root is pressure. So what happens? You're in this new place. God declares a new season. He says, Aaron Till, this is your valley. Dig wells here. And what happens? All of a sudden you start digging. You find fresh water. And you're like, this is it. And all of a sudden pressure starts coming from everywhere. I believe this, that pressure is one of the greatest tactics of the enemy. He cannot win, but he will be persistent to see if you will give up. And all of a sudden, he will begin to put pressure from you. Isn't it interesting, the Scripture says, that Paul says there's pressure from every side. What was he saying? He was saying, man, there's, there's, there's opposition happening everywhere, and, all, and, and it's going to be determined by how much we partner with God to believe that we're going to drink from this well. And I believe that a lot of people give up 
when they get into pressure. And here's the interesting thing. And they say it must not be the will of God. Because there's pressure, God must not be in it. I've actually found that when I'm in the moment of pressure, I'm generally as close to the will of God as I can physically be. And the enemy is like, no, don't let him get there. Don't let him pursue that. Don't let him take on that truth. And all of a sudden there's pressure from every side. It's really interesting that he let that well go. I actually believe it was not his portion to let that well go. So then they dug another well, but they quarreled over it. That one also, and he named it Sitna. Sitna means, the, the Hebrew word means opposition. But the root word is accusation. So the first plan of the enemy is just pressure. Pure pressure. We've all been there, yes? Let me see your hands if you've ever felt some pressure of the enemy. The second one though is, when you keep pushing on, all of a sudden you start having accusation. Now, I'm not even talking about accusation of people here. I'm talking about accusation of the enemy. Where he begins to come and say, man, if you were a better son, Tom. Or accusations like, if you really believe that, you wouldn't be thinking that right now. And he just put the thought in your head. What's he doing? Accusation. You're a loser. You're never going to make it. You're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to change the world. Accusation. Look at the sin that you have. He is not even allowed to bring the sin up in your life and we still let him do it. It's total lies. Stop it. Greatest counseling tool ever. Stop it. It's accusation where he's coming against and the truth is it's your, it's your glory and your, and your ability as a son to say, I do not receive this. I will not receive this as truth. I will not receive this even if it's factual. Jimmy and I were having a conversation this week about the difference between facts and truth. And I believe that the problem in America's church today is most of us are factually based, not truth based. So we talk about people and we're like, we talk about the facts that are going on in their lives instead of the truth that who they are and who they're gonna be. And we determine people by the facts and then guess what? They act like it because we're empowering it and creating it with our words. But the enemy wants to come and he wants to put all this accusation on you. He wants to come and say, hey, you're, it's ridiculous you're digging into a new season. You're never going to get into a new season. This valley isn't yours. This valley is those other herdsmen. And you're encroaching on their land. How many of you ever thought, maybe that's true? It's true, it's true. <laughs> you're so bad. You know all those. Uh, we have too much history. But begin to think about that, and I'm telling you, I, the Lord began to reveal this to me. It was like, the, the truth is, accusation is the last step the enemy has to keep you from breaking into room. So if you're being accused and you're, you're feeling downtrodden, that's why I started today with how many feel the lie that you don't have anything to give. Because that is accusation, and the next well you dig is going to be room. Let's read that, and then we're going to read some amazing verses after it. It says, He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. Why? Because they knew he wasn't going to give up. They knew he was in, had an act of faith, that this was his valley. It says, And there he named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. It's really interesting 
when you begin to look at room and you begin to look at the Hebrew idea of room, it really is that you could take an equal sign and equal it to freedom. Psalms 119.32, I don't think I gave you these, Lisa. It says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. The word right there for you have set my heart free as you have given me room to run around in and see the greatness of who you are. Verse 45, I will walk about in your freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. The word right there for walk about your freedom is you have made this a roomy place for me to discover who you are and what you're doing in my life. They're actually in these verses declaring Rehoboth. Room. And what are they saying? That freedom equals room. So when he said, I am declaring this well, Rehoboth, I is declaring, I am now free of what has been hindering me in this valley. Why is that so important? Because we have to recognize that the enemy does not have the right to sustain battle on our land. That's so good news, right? And the problem is we've empowered him to think that spiritual warfare is that he's always going to be attacking and he always has a right to our land and he always has a place to come and get against us. And there's I want to tell you there's a different places as we dig in to the new season there will be a place where all of a sudden you declare Rehoboth room. And no more will we have to quarrel. No more will we have to battle for this. But this is our land. And it's so important that we recognize that. Because I think that sometimes our theology keeps us in solid war. It keeps us like, well, just, man, the enemy's always trying to take from me. He's not trying to take from me. I kicked him in the teeth enough times. He's like, man, we're going to leave that guy alone in that area. Like, get off my land. Man. I was talking with someone the other day and they were like, yeah, man, we just keep having this demonic show up in our church. And and it was really interesting because I was talking with Deb and Deb said, well, you tell them, Deb Crone, those of you who don't know, she said, you just tell them, when? When? Go and tell it to go and it can't come back. Quit allowing it and be like, oh man, we're just in a spiritual warfare. Really, that's a religious spirit that's to say, look how holy we are that the enemy's trying to come against us. And it's actually empowering it to keep coming in our lives. Hmm. I'm feeling a little edgy tonight. Because I'm tired of people being in war that the enemy is, that the Father has already said is one. Like, here's the most simple one. People that continue to battle the idea if they're actually saved or not. Like, man, I just don't really know. The assurance of your salvation, dig into it. Where the enemy can never battle you there again. Why? Because it's one of the foundational principles. If you're still battling there, he's going to tell you all kinds of lies. Here's another one dig into. That... That everywhere I go, the kingdom goes with me. Like you can believe it as a theology or you can actually believe it. And it can get everywhere you go, you realize I'm bringing authority here. I'm changing atmospheres here. 
Everywhere under my feet right now belongs to Jesus, not to me. That's where we've had the big mistake there. This all belongs to me. No, it doesn't. It belongs to Jesus. Last thing I wanted to show you, because you never hear anyone preach about the next verse. It says, from there, Isaac, or he, went up to Beersheba. Can I tell you a funny story about Beersheba real quick? Anyone ever play Bible Pictionary? See, some of you didn't grow up in Christian homes. We weren't allowed to have Pictionary. We had Bible Pictionary, right? And my cousins came over. Anyone know what Pictionary is? Everybody know? You draw the thing, people guess, right? You need to get cultured a little bit here, people. (laughs) And I was good at Pictionary. Why? Because I like to be good at everything I'm doing, right? And the biggest thing is we we were going to win. Isn't that right, Kathy? We're going to win, right? Well, I drew my cousin who was not biblically based in whatsoever. And he drew the word Beersheba and he drew a beer can. (laughs) And a cat food because Sheba the cat food. And he was like, I couldn't believe you didn't get it. I'm like, bro, I'm never going to get Beersheba out of that. ever. So that's, uh, that's just a side note. Beersheba. Do you know what Beersheba actually means in the Hebrew? It means well of an oath. And, and I wrote this down because I felt like the Lord just spoke to me that the place of digging and the commitment to dig develops in our heart a place of commitment to the Lord. Well, actually, you're making an oath to always be digging for the new well. Here's what happened at Beersheba, if you keep reading. Can you put the next verse up, Lisa? That night, the Lord appeared to him, that's Isaac, and said, I'm the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you, and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. He just said, hey, I'm no longer daddy's God, I'm your God. Why? Because you've been digging into the new season of your life. Where in the old season, I was the God of your father, but now I'm your God. And you've been digging into it, and you've been having revelation about me, and about room, and about freedom, and about all these things, and now I declare you, you're in your new season, and I'm your God. What always comes in new seasons is encounter. Encounter is a guarantee in new seasons as we dig. I know those are big words. Because a lot of times people are like, well, just, I don't, I haven't had an encounter in a long time. I actually believe that's a lie. I think if you've been in here more than in four or five times, God has encountered you. It may not be the one you're looking for. It may not be the one you're expecting. I just want to encourage you, don't be like the Jews there. Like, well, he didn't come like I wanted him to. Don't be like the Pharisees. It was the ones that were hungry and said, we'll take you, Jesus, however you come. And then they got him in every way. What am I saying? New seasons always come with encounter. I mean, did y'all see that verse one more time, Lisa? Just pop that up there. That night, the Lord, Yahweh, God creator of the universe, appeared to him. Why? God is wanting to be in our journeys. He's wanting to come and He's wanting to break in. 
He's wanting to recognize, he's wanting us to recognize that he loves the new season and he wants to be completely involved in it. I saw your water. My bad. <coughs> Alright, let's stand up. My voice has had about as much as it's going to do tonight. Listen, I feel like the Lord is wanting to do some healing in here. I feel like the first one is this. I feel like we've had migrants coming in and out of our land. Thoughts, lies, the spirit of the age, the things of this world trying to come. The thoughts of this world. Listen, there's so much cloaked in Christianity language right now that's the thoughts of this world. And if we're not careful, they'll be migrating on our land and keeping us from truth. Well, how do I know if I'm in those? Just see if it matches the truth. But I believe this, that there's some of you that those migrants have been pushing dirt and land into your wells. And it's time for you to commit to redig. What am I asking? I'm asking you, are you drinking from the wells of your encounter? Are you drinking from the wells of every place where God's revealed His goodness to you? Or has the enemy come and stolen the joy of those wells? Here's a big one. The wells of salvation. Are you drinking those and letting it bring joy to your life every day? The well of salvation. Say, how can the enemy push dirt in there? He just wants to tell you that, that, yeah, you're going to heaven, but you're never going to do anything here on earth. That's dirt in your well. Here's another one about the well of salvation. Well, he, he just has to let me in because I'm a believer, but he doesn't really want to. So I just, I'm squeezing in, I'm sliding in. If he really knew how I'd acted, he wouldn't have wanted to die on the cross for me. That one sounds extreme, but I talk to more people that have that one in their life than I can imagine. So just close your eyes with me right now. How many of you want to commit right now that place, the oath, Beersheba, the oath of a well, to say, I'm going to redig these wells? I really, I feel like the Lord is telling me to say this. I feel like there's someone that had a well of generosity, great generosity that you were being able to drink from and give away, and it was just beautiful, and the enemy has been shoving dirt into that. And and you're like, well, it took my money. No, he took the joy of the generosity, and then that stopped the money. I feel like if that's you, just the Lord is just saying, recommit to dig that well. But if, if you're just committing to that, I just want you to raise your hand, not to me, to the Lord. I'm going to keep my eyes closed. Just to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to redig those wells that the enemy's been trying to stop up. I'm also going to kill those migrants on my land. Get off my land. You have no right here. You have no place here. You have no authority here. You have no claim to this land. Then the other thing I, I just really felt like the Lord wanted to minister to, and we're almost done here, is the place of pressure and accusation. Releasing us from that so we can get right into freedom. So if you just feel like there's been a, just a tremendous amount of pressure and accusation in your life in this last season, I just want you to raise your hands. First of all, I prophetically declare over you right now, room and freedom to run around in Him. To run around. In Him, you have so much room that you just, you don't even know what to do sometimes. The room is so big. That's your freedom. Run around in it. I just declare that over you right now. I, I declare 
over you the pressure and the accusation. I just declare a, a supernatural endurance to push through to get to room. And in the place where there's water and pressure, I encourage you drink from it. It's your well. In the place where there's accusation and there's fresh water there, I encourage you drink from it. It's your well. What am I saying? I believe those wells were meant to be Isaac's. Drink from them. And I just, I just release you from constant war over your land right now. I release you from it right now. I release you to the revelation that when I get into freedom here, they're not allowed to come back. Now last one. I just want all of you, if you're in here, just to commit to dig into the new season. Dig into your new season. So I don't even know what it is yet. Perfect. Then it requires faith. Dig into the new season. And just remember, the first thing you dig to is the revelation of the greatness of Jesus. Because the whole season is based on that. It might be all about ministry. It might be all about these other things. But I want to tell you, the foundation of it will be the greatness of Jesus in your life. So I just pray encouragement on you right now. Actually, I pray courage. Courage on you to try again, to dig again. Courage on you to see a new season and say yes. Courage. Courage. I, I just, I give you courage tonight. Come on, get next to your, to someone and give them some courage. We've already dealt with a lie, you don't have anything to give. So give someone some courage right now. We just give you courage. I love it. Someone get, get Beth over there. We want to give Beth some courage. You guys up there on the top, you give each other some courage right now. You say you're strong and powerful and mighty. I declare over you, Lisa, Rehoboth, room, room, room to you. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Do it quick. Test, test, there we are. Alrighty, would everyone just be willing to close your eyes real quick? This, I feel like this was something a little sensitive. I just started to, be, to see a prophetic picture of like, when dad started saying dig, you were like looking at your hands and there were blisters, there were cuts, there were splinters of pain of, and it was actually from this place of like, you would dug in this place of performance, like I gotta dig out of here, I gotta get to the new one, and I just wanna tell you, the Lord, I just saw him just handing you a shovel. And he, he actually, he didn't even bandage the hands. He didn't do it. He looked at you and said, you can do it. And you had faith. And as you dug, the ground was soft and it was easy. And there's a new revelation of this digging. It's dad already said this, but I just want to, I feel like he's emphasizing it's not performance. And so if I feel like if there's, if there's anyone in here, if it's multiple people, would you just, would you just lift up your hands real quick? And I actually just want you just, you don't have to do this with anyone else other than yourself. Just give this to the Lord, give it to the Lord. And he's just going to begin to reveal truth. You're just splintered and blistered and you don't know if you can dig again. Here's the shovel. Here's the shovel. It's interesting. I just, I just saw the shovel that's had grace all over the shaft. It's going to heal your hands as you dig. It's not, remember, it's not, we're not hanging in there like the cat. It's like, it's actually a grace that your hands are going to get healed as you dig. 
And if you've ever been in the natural, that's a miracle. So just just receive that from the Lord right now. He's handing you the shovel. He's handing you the shovel right now. Be encouraged. The Lord's giving you courage right now. So Lord, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that even on Saturday nights, we're digging into our new season here. We're digging in to what you want to do. I just remind you, enemy, get off our land. Get off our land. So we just, we love you, Jesus. You're precious. You're precious to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.